its refuse compared to knowing Him. And he goes on to say, if you want to lay a hold of everything God has for you, that's what He is planning on doing. He says that needs to be your, your heart and mind also. Amen. Well, yeah, we have some special guests today. It's my favorite daughter ever. Wave your hand, Tracy. Okay, and Jeremy, my favorite son-in-law ever. My favorite grandsons, Otto and Oscar. Again, Tracy is a worship pastor at Four Square Church in Ellensburg, but she's on a sabbatical, and so decided to join us here today, and I sure love them. They hadn't gotten here by the time I sat down and turned this way, so I was concerned that maybe they didn't show up, and I was going to have us pray for them, which because it meant, would have meant they were liars, you know, and it says in Revelation 21.8 that all liars will have their place in the lake of fire, and so I wanted to intercede for them, but... They're here. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to have to help me out there. What exactly are they facing tomorrow? Oh, yeah. And Father, we see in your word, you, you command us to pray for Israel. You command us to pray for the peace of Israel. God, we see in your word in... Revelation 19, where all the kings and their armies come against you, and they're coming against your people, and they're coming against Israel. And in one sentence, you win the victory. God, we, we come, so we're not saying we take us lightly. God, we come before you. And I thank you that you are the defender of Israel. God, you are the defender. So we lift them up before you, and we ask for your blessings upon them, O oh God, that as a nation, you would lead and guide and protect them, Father, but also as a nation, you promised that you would pour out your spirit upon Israel, and they would suddenly realize that the Christ that years ago had been crucified, that the man they crucified years ago was the Christ, who was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, that God would crop your mercy, your grace, both in protecting them and also revealing yourself to them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we only have an outline with one side here, and I was asked if I slacked off. And no, actually, I, I think I was smart and had mercy on you because I, as I was doing this, I suddenly realized this is going to be too long, and so I whacked my sermon in half. Um, but let's go to First uh, Peter chapter 2. And we're actually only going to read verses 1 through 6, and then we'll read verse 9. Then we'll go to 2 Peter 3.18. And, uh, but the real meat of it will hit next week. Uh, but it was just going to be too long and try to say too many things. And so, but God, we come before you. I have no confidence in myself. It says you chose the weak, the foolish, the base, the things that are not. The only thing I can do is speak words that maybe hit the mind, but God, only you can take a living word and put it in the hearts and minds of people where it really gets down there. Only you can bring revelation. And so, Father, I yield myself to you. I, have, I don't have confidence in myself, but I look to you, but speak to us today, I ask by your Holy Spirit. You agree? 
And, and so the, the main point I'm looking at is verse 2, where he talks about grow in respect to salvation, and I put that as the title of the message, and subtitle is Be Greedy and Violent, and we'll explain that. But let's start reading here in verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and slander, and that's kind of a prerequisite. If we're going to grow in salvation, we've got to get rid of some stuff. We really do. You know, it, 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 sometimes it's fun to slander. It's fun to gossip. It's fun to criticize. It's fun to be angry. It, it feels good inside. The flesh it does anyway. But we're choosing something. Do I want God or do I want that? And if we're going to grow in respect to salvation, we've got to put some of these things off, put them aside. He says, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word. And we talked about this last week that we've got to know, we've got to make knowing God's Word a high priority and not just where we know what someone else said about it from a book, from a teaching, but where we've really gotten into it and we know ourselves what it says, we're like the Thessalonians who got into God's Word to find out if what Paul was saying was true. But then it gets into us so much that we automatically think that way. When something happens, when a, a tragedy happens, uh, our mind immediately goes to it. This is what God's Word says. This is what He says. This is who He is. This is what He does. It affects our thinking. But He says, long for the pure milk of the Word so that you may grow in respect to salvation. And we'll talk about that. If you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to Him as a living stone, when we get into God's Word, we're to come to Him and we're to really build our life on Him. Come to Him as a living stone. And verse 6, believe, actually the Greek there is on Him. Believe on Him. Don't just believe about Him. He's to be something, that our, our life, we can, He's solid, He's sure we can build our life on Him. It goes on to say, uh, you're a chosen race. When we grow up in salvation... We really, this is what we enter into, what it means to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. But this is so rich, we're going to have to wait for that for next week. But part of growing into our salvation is growing into what he's called us to be and to do. And so I, I encourage you for next week, what does it mean that we're a chosen race? What does it mean we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation? What, what does this mean? What does... What does it mean? This is because that's what he's aiming toward, growing into that. But anyway, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, okay? And uh, we're going to look there where he, uh, he closes this letter with a, something very similar. Uh, it's the very last verse in 2 Peter. Where he says, grow in the grace. Grace is not just forgiveness. It's not just undeserved forgiveness, you know. Grace is, is the, the power of God, the life-changing power of God that applies to every single situation in our lives. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, on your outline, it has right there, and, and I, I, just, I want everyone here, and, and some of you, you might say, well, I'm kind of old. Well, I'm 66 and a half, okay. 
But, and I love adventure. You know, my wife and I, we bicycled across the nation. We did that when I was about 50. I want to do it again. Um, two Mays ago, we uh, did a rim-to-rim-to-rim backpacking trip in the Grand Canyon. It's 50 miles. We're, we're planning on going backpacking the Grand Canyon again in May. I want to I want adventure. But more than that, I want adventure with God. You know, I... I want to know God more next year than I know him this year. I want to experience the power of God more next year than this year. When you look in the Bible, you know, where some people, they say, well, you know, the good old days when you're young, uh, how many appreciate, I, I enjoyed being young, but I was also stupid when I was young. Anyone besides me? And, and you know, but I, I want to know him. I want to know his power. I want to know Christ, his presence. I want to know the anointing of the Spirit. I want to experience God working through us more than I've ever experienced. You look in the Bible, you know, it was Zacharias and Elizabeth. It says they're advanced in years, but it wasn't until they're advanced in years, they experienced something that was beyond anything they could have dreamed of. That the greatest hope of a Levitical priest, in a sense, was once in your lifetime. Once in your lifetime, you could go into the temple, and Zacharias did it in his advanced years. But more than that, when he was in that temple, God spoke to him. And what you've been dreaming about, and God, I pray for resurrected dreams in the heart of everyone here. What you've been dreaming about, what you've been longing for, what you've been crying out for, a child, I'm giving it to you. And this child, John, was something far beyond Jesus said about him. There is no one greater. Up to this time, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. He was the one the prophet Isaiah said would prepare the way of the Lord. Amen? Amen. That was advanced in years. And, and you look in the Bible with Moses. was 80 years old. Earlier when he was younger and when he was stupid, when he knew there was a call of God on his life to deliver Israel, but he thought it was by killing someone. God says, no, we got to get that out of your system. It's by listening to me and obeying me. I'm the one who does it, not you. I just need someone who will draw near to me and listen to me and do what I say. Eighty years of age before he finally hit stride. Aaron was 83. Miriam was 87. Joshua, when he took over the lead to lead Israel in the land, 80 years of age. And the promise that God gave to Abraham and Sarah, she was 90. He was 100. Every one of us, I tell you what, we cannot let the enemy steal from us. The dreams that God has for us. He wants fruitfulness. His command to his people repeatedly was to be fruitful. And he intends that no matter how old we are, no matter how advanced in age we are. Amen? Amen. And so what Peter is saying here, he says you need to grow into the fullness and the experience of salvation I have for you. And here, look what he says right here in Philippians 2.12. So then, my beloved, he's saying this because he loves them. And it gives you a clue of how we grow into this salvation. We said before, it's by getting rid of some of these things. I can't have time with sin because I want to lay hold of everything God has for me. 
So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed. You, you want to, you know, and I, what we're heading toward, in fact, look to this next paragraph, okay? Growing in respect to salvation or working out your salvation, because that's what he's going to say right here. He said, with fear and trembling, work out your salvation. Okay, but growing in respect to salvation or working out your salvation, these verses make no sense. They make no sense whatsoever if we think that salvation is primarily or exclusively, and I'm not minimizing these things, they are absolutely essential, but they're absolutely essential. We must be forgiven that we can be a royal priesthood. We must be forgiven that we can be this holy nation. We must be forgiven that we can be the, the covenant people of God that He works in and through. We must be forgiven that we can be the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where God, through us, wants to bring heaven to earth. So we're not neglecting forgiveness, but the Bible never stops there. Other people do, but the Bible never stops there. We were forgiven for a purpose. Yeah, well, yeah, let's go to heaven when we die. Yeah, we're going to be with Christ forever. We're going to reign with Him forever when heaven comes to earth on the new earth. But He wants to begin doing it now. And, and I, when I was a pastor of Ellensburg Foursquare Church where someone said that we were in the Bible study and one of the men said, I, I just don't understand this where it says here, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't make sense. I've gone... Have I been that bad of a pastor? <laughs> you don't understand this after all these years? I had hair on top of my head when I first started saying this. <laughs> you know. It's like their thinking was that if salvation is forgiveness, I don't have to work for that. If salvation is going to heaven when I die, I don't have to work for that. I'll go, my goodness, have I been that bad of a pastor? But salvation's much more than that. Much more than that. But let's go ahead and read the verse, okay, that I, then I suddenly went sideways on. That's what I do because I'm advanced in years. But anyway, so then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out or bring to completion. I've started a work in you. In fact, the very next verse says that. He works in us both to will and do. He started to work in us, but we need to work with him. Work out, bring to completion. This is what he's saying right here, your salvation with fear and trembling. What's the fear and trembling is? The only person that can keep me from experiencing everything that God intends as salvation is me. I, I can't blame the pastor. I can't blame my wife. It'd be fun if I could blame her, but I can't. You know, I could blame this person. The only one I could blame is myself. That's it. By the time we're advanced in years, we are a product of the decisions we've made. And, and Paul is saying this about himself. You, you see that he's not content where he's at. And just think of everything he's done by this time in Philippians, all the miracles, all the things he's seen. But he says, not that I've already obtained it or I've already become perfect. And, and perfect doesn't mean Perfect the way we think of you know, as a perfect circle is just not even off a little bit. Perfect means you're, you're mature, you arrived at your goal. I want to lay, arrive at my goal. I'm going to lay a hold of everything. That's what he's saying. I press on that I may lay a hold. He said, I, I want to lay a hold of everything that Christ laid hold of me for. That's what he's saying. 
Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid the hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. In other words, Paul, he was, you know, he was getting older, but he's, he's doing a picture of a person who's running in a race, and you see them at the tape, they're coming to the tape, and they are pressing with everything they have and to lean forward. They're going to win that race. And he's saying anyone who is perfect, anyone who's mature, anyone who arrives at their goal, you think the same way. You think the same way. And, and so, as I said right here in this paragraph, that, you know, salvation, working out salvation makes no sense. It's just primarily being forgiven. Going to heaven, after all, you know, we're, we're forgiven. What can you add to that? And uh, if we're going to heaven, I, I found out a whole lot of Christians aren't that excited about being with the Lord forever because they're thinking, boy, that's just going to be one long worship service. You know, which God has exciting stuff for us to do. If there's adventure here, there's really adventure there. We're going to reign with him forever. We are going to worship him. But a lot of people, they seem more excited about they're not going to hell. You know? And, uh, you know, and well, if I'm not going, I'm not going. So what can I add to that? And uh, besides, isn't this opposed to grace? When you look at the word save, though it does include for us forgiveness and being with Christ eternally, that's not what came to the mind of the people back then. It primarily meant to deliver or protect. It meant to heal. We're, we have the story down at the end of the thing. You see it there in Mark chapter 5. But we're going to talk about that a little bit differently when we get there. But when you read in the verse and you look in the Greek, that lady who had had this bleeding for 12 years, she had spent all her money, had not gotten one bit better. In fact, she had just gotten worse through the whole thing. This was a lady that we need to emulate. She was not going to settle. You know, how many have heard that, that saying, you know, well, God always answers prayer. There's a lot of dumb sayings out there that we repeat. Amen. And this is one of the dumb ones. You know, God always answers prayer, but sometimes his answer is no. Well, I'll, I'll pause right now. How many are glad that you, you, you acknowledge you prayed some dumb prayers before, and, and you're glad that God said no? You agree with that? I personally have never prayed a dumb prayer, but my wife has. Uh, back before we were married, she was praying that Willie Ray McCown, that she would fall in love with him. I'm the one who set him up, okay? That was dumb on my part, but I didn't pray about it. I just did it. Um, and, but she, we were really good friends, but she was dating him. I set him up, and, and, but she didn't love him, and she was praying. What were you praying, honey? Uh, don't get too, don't, don't, don't sound too excited about him, honey. Just, we, <laughs> don't, don't sound too excited. But he was, I tell you what, he, 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 he made me look semi-short. And everything he ate, I don't care what he ate, it could have been, you know, it could have just been a candy bar. Everything he ate went to muscles. You just look at this guy. You ever seen those guys that, there's just bumps all over their body. You know, just they, boom, like that. I lifted weights a lot in high school. Never, one bump never showed up on my arms. I just, people just say, you're wiry, you know, <laughs> which meant there's no bumps there. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, oh, and he could grow a beard in a day. And he could sing like crazy. But anyway, so, but I, I, Thank God. 
<laughs> but she was praying. You were praying. What were you praying? Confession time, honey. Confession time. <laughs> right, I'm glad you didn't. So how many agree? And that was a dumb prayer because the man of her dreams was right there the whole time. But anyway, <laughs> though neither one of us realized it. <laughs> we were, but anyway, uh, you know, so there's all things where he does say no, but usually when people say that, their thinking is most of the time he says no. And most of the time he does not say no. It, it says in Isaiah 30:18, the Lord longs to be gracious to us. It says he waits on high, or another translation, he even rises from his throne in anticipation of showing his compassion. That's our God. It says all the promises of God are yes and he's waiting for us to say the amen. So, you know, there are times he says no, but most of the time he says yes. But then why do we experience so many no's? We're going to talk about that a little bit today, okay? But there's, first of all, you know, there has to rise in us this determination because when that lady had this issue of blood, you know, she wasn't going to settle for, well, I prayed about it, but the answer was no. She knew God's answer was yes. She knew God wasn't the problem. But she was determined like Paul was, I am going to lay a hold of everything that God has for me. And what she said to her heart, you remember this, if I just touch, and really, she, she, she didn't, the word's not just, she went like this, you know. She laid a hold of that robe. If I, I'm going to grab a hold of what he has for me, but if I touch, if I lay a hold, if I grab a hold of his garment, I'll be healed is what the word says in the Greek. But it's the word saved. It, it's the Greek word saved, sozo. I'll be saved. I'll experience salvation. And she was not saying, I'm about ready to die from this thing, but I'll be forgiven and going to heaven. She was saying, I, 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 he has healing for me. I know Jesus Christ has healing for me. I know his answer is yes, and I'm going to lay hold of it. And to the people's minds back then, the same thing also when the disciples were in the boat and there's a big storm, they cried out, save us, Lord. They, and it's the word sozo. It's a word for, it's a word save. They weren't saying, we're going to die, so forgive us, so we go to heaven. They were saying, God, rescue us, deliver us from this. We want to experience more stuff with you. Amen? So the word save or the word salvation, it, it meant to be Healthy, it meant wholeness, it meant deliverance, it meant rescue, it meant restoration, it meant salvation. And when Jesus said, he says, for him, the equivalence of salvation was experiencing his kingdom life, is experiencing the abundant life. Now, we must be forgiven. We will live him with eternally. But I have right here in our outline, to grow in respect to salvation is to grow with respect to experiencing Everything God has for us, the abundant life that Jesus promised. For I was pretty poor last week of filling in the blanks, okay? This time we hardly have any blanks. That's what, see, I, and I, I pray for everyone here. You know, Linda and I, we've experienced a lot of miracles. But she, she has some regular back pain. For us to ride across America again, she's going to have to be healed of that. 
It doesn't bother her when she hikes, but it bothers her when she bikes. Why is that? I don't know. But I want to ride across America again. I want that woman going with me. We've done so many bicycling trips, I want to do the Icefield Parkway again from Banff to Jasper. That's beautiful on a bicycle. You name it, we've ridden our bikes there. Grand Canyon, ridden our bikes there twice. Crater Lake, we've ridden all over that place. Black Hills of South Dakota, ridden our bikes there. Going over the Sun Highway, ridden our bikes there. Golden Triangle in the Canadian Rockies, ridden our bikes there. You name it, we've ridden our bikes there. Unless you name some place we haven't ridden our bikes there. <laughs> yeah, we've ridden our bikes all the way to, to Washington, D.C. area. But anyway, and I want to do that again. You know, and there, there, I had a bad back about seven or nine years. I don't remember what, when I was trying to dunk a basketball and show her what a stud muffin I was, you know. That, that Willie Ray McCallum's nothing, watch this, you know, and then, oh. But anyway, and I prayed for God, for his healing power for all these years, and I never experienced it. But it wasn't because there was a God in heaven who said no. There was a God in heaven the entire time that was saying yes. Amen. But there was someone saying no. There was someone saying no, and it wasn't me, and it wasn't God. And that's what brings up this next point. So we're, we're halfway moving pretty fast, aren't we? Say, yes, we are. Your prayers have been answered. I'm preaching shorter. Hallelujah. Praise God. But to grow in respect, to, oh, and I was going to say something else. When we think of salvation primarily in terms of sin, we come up with stupid definitions. And, and this one here, I'm going to throw out another stupid definition. Okay? And they taught me this one in Bible college. And it's stupid. How many have heard this one before? They say, well, salvation, there's three parts of salvation. There's justification, sanctification, and glorification. And justification is, is it's, it's freedom from the guilt of sin. Sanctification is freedom from the power of sin. And glorification is eternal freedom from the presence of sin. How many have heard that one before? That's dumb as all get out. That's like saying, well, Dave, when you, when you and Linda bicycled to the Grand Canyon, what was the best part? We didn't fight. We didn't fight. That was the best part. Well, we didn't fight. But that wasn't the best part. The best part was, I love this woman, was being with her. Riding on her bikes every pedal stroke of the way. Seeing the beautiful scenery going there, arriving at the Grand Canyon, sitting nearby the rim beside each other, sharing what we had done together. That's what the best part was, being with this woman doing it together. And what is justification? Just if, if, if we just think that salvation is primarily about sin, what you end up with a is a whole bunch of vampire Christians. What, what do you mean by that? They don't really want to be with Jesus. They just want some of his blood. I don't want to go to hell. So That's all they want Jesus for, his blood. Now, again, how many praise God? Say to the person beside you, I am forgiven 100%. Amen. Say it. How many praise God for that? Amen. 
And how many praise God we're going to live with Him eternally? But because we're justified, we can live with Him now. We are reconciled to Him now. We can walk with Him now. Right now, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, can live in us now. And that's the hope of everything. King Jesus lives inside me. That's justification. Justification is now I am a child of God. I've been brought into a covenant relationship with Him. Every day is an adventure. You agree with that? And what's going to be glorification? Well, there ain't no sin around here, Charlie, you know, or Fred, or whatever. What about the streets of gold? What about the trees of life? What about mountains and rivers like you've never seen? What about God himself dwelling in your midst? What about no hunger, no tears, no pain? Oh, in favor, that's more than well. What's, What's the highlight? Ain't no sin around here. Okay? If I offended you... I apologize, sort of. But to grow in respect to salvation, to work out our salvation, is to do whatever is necessary to lay a hold of everything God has for us. And that's where I said be greedy. I'm I'm not interested in uh, being rich. I'm not interested in being famous. I'm not interested in being comfortable. Jesus, I want to lay hold of everything. I want... Jesus, I want to join with you in everything you're doing. That's what I want to do. And I realize there's going to be some suffering that goes along with that. Jesus, you suffered. And I'm not looking forward to suffering, but there's tough times. There's tough times being a, pa- a parent. There's tough times being a grandparent. You agree with that? There's tough times being married. I tell you what, Jesus, I'm going to lay a hold of everything you got for this marriage. Lay a hold of everything you got for this family. Everything you want to do in God where I work at. I want everything. God, I don't want to settle for nothing less than that. But to grow in respect to salvation, to work out our salvation, to do whatever is necessary to lay hold of everything that God has for us. And this is what Jesus said. He said it. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. In other words, Jesus was coming along, proclaiming that I am bringing heaven to earth. I'm bringing God's rule to earth. You've been experiencing a lot of Satan's oppression. I'm bringing God's rule to earth. Satan doesn't like that. He rises up, and he rises up through people. And there was violence taking place. We know that. So he said, "Where this happens, there's violence. But who lays a hold of God's kingdom? Who lays a hold of God's hand, what God has for them? Who lays a hold of it? People who are violent. Not towards people. Not towards any other person on the face of planet Earth. You're violent towards the enemy. And that's what we see right here with that woman. Let's look right here. Mark chapter 5, verse 24 to 29. There's a loud, cr- large crowd following Jesus. They were pressing in on him. It, it, it was just so tight. Everyone is pressing in. But there was a woman. That's one of the things that uh, the gospel writers highlight is the people who were marginalized, the people who others were tended to look down on. But he makes examples of them that we must follow, and this woman is one of them. There was a woman. Didn't have a name, so to speak. But she had a hemorrhage for 12 years and endured much at the hand of many physicians. 
spent everything she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. And she said to herself, you know, God always answers prayer. But sometimes it's no. No, she didn't say that. She knew that God's answer was yes. But where is it? Then she heard about Jesus Christ. She heard about Him. After hearing about Jesus, she heard about the leper being healed. She heard about the blind man. She probably heard about the centurion's servant. He was willing to go to his house. He has healing for me. The people would have thought that who she was is probably a sinner. They, they viewed anyone who had a long-standing illness was probably a sinner. That's what you were, okay? What she did, though, you know, she knew who she was. She knew who Jesus was. You're the Savior that's come into the world. You're the one who's come to bring the rule of God. I've been listening to everything you've been saying, and I'm a daughter of God. I'm part of the covenant family of God. I don't care what anyone else says. I know who you are, and I know who I am. I know who it is. And after hearing about Jesus, it says she came up in the crowd. Well, it can sound like she just kind of, well, just walked up there. How many know she had to press her way through? How many know that? She, if they were pressing in on her, she had to press her way through. That's right. That's right. She had to fight her way through. That's what she did. She wasn't passive. Well, where'd he go? He, he's going to... Well, his daughter's dying. So much for me. No. He's going to heal that daughter, but I'm going to get my healing too. I'm going to be saved. Amen? Amen. That's what violence means. You press in. A couple of weeks ago, we shared about from Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And, and we're just going to close with this, okay? So go ahead and turn to Luke 18. Uh, again, you, you guys... You guys are the, the guys that if I say turn in your Bibles to some place or turn in your phone some place, you don't go, <gasps> okay, Luke 18. We're going to see it with our own eyeballs. You're ready to turn there, okay, and I appreciate that. Luke 18. After this story, we're done. Unless I say something else. But before I tell you this story, I'll tell you another story. <laughs> and I've shared some of this with some of you. Dave Chandler, he's a pastor of the Foursquare Church in Moses Lake. He mentioned, he was sharing with me years ago how when he was in Pakistan preaching, and a lot of demonized people there, a lot of demonized people there. Because if you, you know, if you're, you're worshiping, if you're not worshiping God, your, your life's really open up to the enemy. And as they were holding a crusade there, there was just a lot of, it was, just, it was just a mess, and it was just an uproar, and there was just a commotion, and there's no way he's going to preach. The enemy didn't want him preaching Christ Jesus. And then he, he, he uh, had split off from the regular missionary who had gone there all the time, and so he was with a local pastor, and so he didn't really know what to do, and the, the, the local pastor said, says, take authority over the enemy. Bind the enemy. That's what he said to him. So he, he went like this. This is what he told me. There was, there was the whole crowd of people. In the name of Christ Jesus, I bind you, Satan. I say, be gone in Jesus' name. He said, within the swath of his hands, everyone fell down. In the name of Jesus Christ, <laughs> I take authority over there. I bind you, be gone in the name of Christ Jesus. Boom. 
here, boom. In that moment, they were set free. He proclaimed Christ Jesus, and then he came to Christ. He met with the missionary afterwards and says, why is it that when I said, be gone in the name of Jesus, they left immediately? They don't do that when I pray for that in America. And the missionary's response was, they haven't learned yet. The average person doesn't realize how much authority they have in the name of Jesus Christ. When they hear in the name of Jesus Christ, you must go, they think we got to go. The demons in America have learned that we're a lot like parents. <laughs> and we say, go to bed, and the kids play around. Maybe your kids never did that. It's time to get out of bed. It's time to get ready for church. <laughs> Take out the garbage. How many here besides me, except Tracy was perfect in all her ways. <laughs> right, Tracy? <laughs> she was. Anyone besides, it was my son, my son, but if he was here, he was perfect also. <laughs> Anyone here have kids that would resist you? thinking that after a while you just might give up? The enemy is smarter than a kid. If I just hang out here long enough, they just might give up. Amen? We'll close with this story. We talked about it before. This is one of the last teachings of Jesus, Luke 18, verse 1. Now he is telling them a parable to show them that all times, at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. Be violent in your prayers. Don't give up. Persevere in your prayers. Let it grow in respect to salvation. Lay hold of everything that God has for you. <coughs> Saying that in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. This represents the enemy. There was a widow in the city that kept coming to him saying, we're doing a very abbreviated version of this. Give me legal protection from my opponent. And for a while he was unwilling, but afterwards, now it says, look at here, what she, it's important to see right there in verse 3, she kept on what? She kept on what? She kept on coming. And now Jesus doesn't say the story this way, she kept on coming, but the judge never would change his mind. And so you need to realize from this story that there are times that, I, I always answer prayer, but oftentimes, in fact, most of the time, it's no. He doesn't say that. He's making the main point of the sermon right here. There's a widow. She kept on coming. Give me legal protection from my opponent. She kept on just harping out there. But after, he says, for a while, he was unwilling. And this happened for a while. For a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, but because this widow, what's that word there? Depending on your translation. Bothers. This was a word, a word, Hebrew, Greek word, that literally meant to beat with your fists. It literally meant that. She's beating me with her fist. Her prayers, her, her crying out is beating me with, like with a fist. And, and Jesus is saying, you need to realize something there. There's an enemy who's trying to hold this back. And he'll hold it back for as long as he can. You need to realize when you pray, your prayers are doing something. 
they are beating him. They are hitting him. And I don't know how they do. But they're hitting him. They're beating him. And he says, I will give her legal protection otherwise by, what does the enemy fear? I think he fears people who are like this. They're continually, they will not give up. I'm going to persevere until I see the answer. And God, you're not the problem. You're the answer. I know enough of your word what you have for us. I am not going to give up. Otherwise, she will wear me out. And that word, Greek word there is to mean, before you're just beating the snot out of this guy, it meant to hit right here. It meant to blacken the eyes. That's what it meant. She's about ready to hit me where it really is going to count. So I'm giving up. Shared before about seven or nine years, I don't know how long, I had a bad back. Seven or nine years, I, every time there was a prayer line, I went up there. Every time, every time, every time. And I never thought once, well, maybe the answer is no. I know you have healing for me. And why did it take that long? I don't know. I had faith in the very first time that I went up and the last time I went up there, I was healed. And ever since then, and this is the truth, ever since then, I've done stuff where my back's hurt, or I've hurt my back. But ever since then, I'll say, honey, come over here. Come over here, honey. Come on. I'm serious. Come on. <laughs> and I say, come on, honey, pray for me right now. God's our healer. And you, I, I'm just claiming healing for my back right now. Will you pray, honey? And show them how you pray. You, you're a good prayer person. You mean to pray right now? You pray for my back. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, you're the healer. Amen. You Receive are the it. healer. You've done the work. We come against the enemy, Amen. who's ultimately behind everything. Said so Jesus Christ with anointed power went around doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Enemy, you be gone. But I say, back, you be healed. Back, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ, because Linda and I want to go on a lot more by Christ. Amen. I receive Amen. it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first time, I don't know why it took that long, but if I look at this verse, I think we're beating the enemy the whole time. Ever since then, how long has it taken for me to experience healing? Usually about 15 minutes. I said, come here, honey, let's pray. And if someone said, did it still hurt when she got done praying? Yeah. Then about 15 minutes, it was gone. It's, it's almost like the enemy, you know, the demons would say, he won't give up. They're going to just keep on hitting you. You might as well quit, quit right now. And we're not quitting about her back. Amen. Amen? We're not quitting. So, what's the bottom line here? And how do we do this? Well, I had to cut this short, you know. I'd say the beginning place, just get in God's word. But as we get into God's word, we must make knowing Christ Jesus our number one priority. We must get to know him. We must know he's king of kings. We must know he's lord of lords. We must know who he is. We must know what he's done. We must know why he came. We must know what the cross of Christ accomplished. Fully what it accomplished. It defeated Satan when he, rose, he, he died on that cross, was buried, rose again. Amen? Amen? We must know this. But we're doing a pause. Pause. Because 
You're finishing this sermon next week. But my heart's desire is everyone you hear, he said, I want to lay hold of everything God has for me. And I'm not stopping. I may, the enemy may say, well, you're older. Yeah, all that means I know, can know Jesus more. I can be stronger than I ever was. You agree with that? God, we ask by your Holy Spirit, I pray, God, you long to be gracious to us. You rise from your throne to show us mercy and compassion. Your word says, blessed are those who come and wait upon you. They long for you and they long for everything you have. I pray, O oh God, that just as you did with Zacharias and he had a hard time believing it, I pray for awakened dreams for every person here, for every family here. God, you have dreams for this church that haven't been realized. We're not going to settle in for we're just coasting off into the sunset. God, I pray for a church that will prevail against the gates of hell. That's what we claim in Jesus' name. Amen? Say amen. Turn to the person beside you and say, Amen. <laughs> okay. Worship team, come on up. Come on up. Come on up.